You are now listening to Well-Fed Women, the show that's been radically changing the way women perceive health, fitness, and their bodies since 2015. I'm your host, Noelle Tarr. Submit your questions to wellfedwomen at gmail.com, and you can keep up with the show on Instagram at wellfedwomen. Welcome to the Well-Fed Women podcast. This is episode number... 279. I'm your host, Noel Tar of coconutsandkettlebells.com. Steph is back. She's here with me today. We're going to be talking about a variety of things, including addressing your relationship with food and exercise, basically where to start. We're also going to be talking about keratosis pilaris and skin health, specifically what you need to do internally and what you need to do topically. And then increasing your metabolism. There are a lot of things to unpack with that. Um, if you haven't joined our Facebook group yet, do it. Search Well-Fed Women Holistic Health Community on Facebook. We're already 1,000 people strong, and there is a lot of fun discussion in there. I'm getting a lot of... Um, I just love y'all. I love being able to interact with you guys, and um, I've been getting a lot of great questions from you guys, and it's just a great place for all of us to come together and have really positive and productive discussions. Um, just request to join, and I'll approve you there. Um, before we jump in, if you are listening to this, I need to remind you that you're almost out of hand soap and you need to buy more <laughs> because this is actually for myself too. Um, this has become the reminder of the year for me, mostly because we are washing our hands more. We're definitely being more cognizant of that. Um, but we also now have two toddlers. My son is walking. And um, they are forever dirty, and they play a lot still on the ground and outside, and then they need to eat. And so, you know, that's what toddlers do. And I personally use Puracy because my kids are exposed to, I mean, all of us. We're exposed to cleaning products on a daily basis, and it's incredibly important to me that what I use is safe and free of harmful ingredients, such as carcinogens, endocrine disruptors, fragrance, and triclosan, which can be in hand soap. Um, go to puracy.com slash well-fed and stock up now. The gel hand soap refill packs are really a good deal, especially with our 10% discount. Just use the code well-fed to get that 10% discount. Um, and their gel hand sanitizer is back in stock. And then they have a lot of other products, safe cleaning products, including laundry, de laundry detergent and a kid's natural bubble bath, which we use a lot because I do bubbles every single day in our water table outside for my kids. And they absolutely love it. They give like all of their bath toys a bath outside. Um, so Puracy works. Um, they personally worked with doctors and chemists and cleaning professionals to create items that use only safe plant-based renewable ingredients that work better than their harsh chemical counterparts. So you're not sacrificing like effectiveness when you switch to safer cleaning products. To shop again, go to Puracy. It's P-U-R-A-C-Y dot com slash well-fed. All the products are made in the USA. They're safe for people, the environment, and certified cruelty-free, and then make sure you use the code WELLFED at checkout for 10% off. They're working overtime right now to get safe soap and sanitizer out, and I know they're really ramping up their production of um, clean and safe cleaning products. So, yay, Piercy. Hi, Steph. Yo. How is your, how is your mental health right now? <laughs> Let's... Who, who needs small talk anymore? I don't. Um, what's going on with you? I, we've talked a lot about a lot of heavy things. I just want to acknowledge that first and foremost, that it's been a heavy few months. We are in a recession. People have had stay-at-home orders. Kids have not been in school. People are not getting fed. People are not eating um, appropriately anymore. Like, there there is a huge hunger issue and uh, food insecurity issue. Um, we've had a huge month of just visible, like, a uh, um, movement, w which has been, we've talked about, we talked about this last time, but it's just very, it's been very heavy on social media. There's a lot of layers to social media. Um, we've been having a lot of productive conversations, though, about racism, and it's just been heavy. It's been heavy. So... How are you doing? Because then there's uh, people also have other things going on in their lives. Um, um, yeah, so I'm going to sugarcoat it 
I'm going to sugarcoat it and I'll just, and then I'll do it and, and just know that it's being sugarcoated. Uh, I'm, I'm okay because I am fierce and self-aware and always make sure that I'm okay, but I do not feel okay. Um, I, I just got a notification that the prime minister of England has said that single people are allowed to go to other people's houses now. Uh, and I almost just, I just started crying. Um, I have been almost completely isolated for three months and that's like, that's how people torture people. I mean, I know that there, were, <laughs> it's not the worst situation to be in in the world, but like, uh, it, it does, it does really serious things to you. And like the last, like the last year of my life has not been easy for those of you who follow me closely, you know, that, uh, several, and a few months ago I went through a really hard breakup and then we started, um, leaning on each other and taking care of one another throughout coronavirus, even at a distance, uh, and I have again been left. And so, um, it's just a lot of personal loss and isolation. And sometimes I feel like Stephanie is dissolving, uh, and, uh, the things that, you know, everybody's just like, well, like we don't have a lot of stuff in the world, but like, you still have this and you still have that. Like I am the person who is good at finding tools and solutions and strategies like that's what I do and uh this has been unrelentingly challenging and so yeah I've been like de definitely depressed for a while um but like I know that and I'm taking care of it and it's fine um but that's what I'm doing and and it's been you know I'm an introvert too and so social media is not something that like lifts me up Right. It's just like, it's hard. It's one of those things where I just like, I pick up my phone, I look at it and I put it back down. Like I just, uh, it's hard. And so, uh, I, I said that I would, I would loop this back to, uh, what we were talking about last year on the call, you know, uh, racial justice and these issues. And I've been doing everything I can to connect with people and talk with them. Um, but over the course, I mean, even throughout all of coronavirus, like I, I've, I've barely been active on my, uh, health to empower social media account. And I've just been like taking care of myself as best as I can. Uh, and I will, and that's just the thing, you know, you have to just sort of learn yourself and learn your tools and, you know, learn how to be okay. Uh, but circumstances have made it both, you know, in the world and in my own life, very hard. It's very hard to be okay right now. I'm doing it, but it's very, it's a challenge. So, um, anyway, I've talked a lot, a lot uh, about anxiety, uh, throughout, throughout my, uh, public life. Uh, and depression has been f only fleetingly little bits on my radar here and there, um, more increasingly throughout the last year, but, um, definitely something that I have become more personally familiar with in terms of how it's like experienced and feels. So I don't know, maybe, I, I don't know. I'm, I, I can't say something on this podcast without like looping back and making a point with a silver lining. So maybe that makes me more relatable or like more capable of relating to, you know, some of the struggles that people in our audience go through. But anyway, Hey, that's how I'm doing. And it's okay to not be okay. Yeah. Sometimes. What are you doing? Like, what do you do to cope with in times like this? Because I feel like a lot of the things that we t how we tell people to cope, especially with depression and anxiety are readily available right now. I mean, is that why you are really yep. struggling? Because those resources aren't available. Yeah, that is precisely it. Uh, I was going to say, like, lay in bed and cry. Like, there's mm -hmm. not a, there's just like there's God, it's just it's so hard. Like I told you, like I I, um, I go cycling. It's I have um, I tried to get people like I have people I can go on walks with. Like I spend a lot of time swiping on Tinder. Like I just, <laughs> because the fact of the matter is like humans need humans mm -hmm. and, and, and we need to like be active in the world. And so I'm, you know, again, I'm exercising, I'm spending time in outdoor spaces where there are other people. Um, I'm being deeply kind to myself. Um, I am scheduling things. Uh, I find that if I like have something that I have to get up and go do, like I can do it, you know. Um, but if I don't have something, you know, it's so much easier to sort of slide. And so um, I just keep thinking about um, Newton's laws. <laughs> Newton's laws of motion. Object, mm. Objects 
objects in motion stay in motion and objects in rest stay in rest. And I am ordinarily somebody who is like so radically in motion. And over the course of the last few months, I've just watched that like just trickle and trickle. Like it's just Mm. eroding, you know, and now I'm at rest and it's uh, I'm trying to put myself back in motion. Um, Fortunately, there's another law, which is that (laughs) when a force is exerted on an object, it will move into motion. Uh, but the, the world isn't giving it to me. And so I, I'm, I'm create, you know, I create my own when I can. And the rest of the time, I just like watch myself and like be, you know, mm-hmm. just be somebody said something to me on Tinder last night. <laughs> um, <laughs> the big negatives don't always have to result in a big negative in, in their lives in their life. And I've just been thinking about that. It's so easy in a moment to be like, this is huge. This is awful. You know, but all of the big negatives that have happened in my life have, you know, led to some sort of flowering or another or, you know, had their silver linings. And so it's nice to, you know, sort of step out of it and, you know, just understand that we'll, that, you know, we'll keep going and pers- like we persevere. And nevertheless, we persevere. Uh, and that's a really beautiful thing. So you just moved to a new flat too, right? Is that was that seems like very fast? Like all we were talking one day and the next day you're like, I am moving. Like, wait, what? I uh, yeah. So I appreciate you using the word flat for me. It's very sweet, and cute. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm in, a, I'm in a new apartment. I'm in a new flat. Um, I just, you know, I lived in a very tiny studio. Um, where I was just, I had nobody around, no things, uh, no communal feeling, just a tiny studio that was very hot and really bad for my mental and physical health. Like, you know, um, the heat, I have a hard time breathing and, uh, I get headaches very easily. It's hard for me to sleep. So I decided to start looking for a place. Fortunately, the university, uh, has a policy because of coronavirus that you can break your lease without penalty. So I broke my lease with, I started looking around and I found, okay, like so grateful, you know, I'm so grateful. My life is like, I am so incredibly privileged and my life is so lucky and I'm so grateful. Um, it doesn't change the fact that like things suck, you know, they both can exist. So I'm so grateful. I found a woman who was like, I just could just tell when I saw the ad that this was going to be perfect for me. She was looking for somebody, uh, but she wanted to wait to find the right one with like care and consideration and can like get along with this, you know, quiet community feel. And I messaged her and I was like, it's me, it's me, it's me. And we met that day and uh, we look similarly. We have the same hair color. She's older than I am. Um, we've both been dancing our whole lives. She studied religion and theology at the university here. Like, and she has this beautiful studio. I just, I can't even, it's beautiful. It's so intentionally done. It's got this gorgeous, like blue, like teal, blue, gold color palette. Anybody who follows me, Stephanie Rupert on Insta knows that that's like my jam. It's like, and, and it's just, it's intentional and it's got amenities. I've never had amenities. I, I know that sounds weird, but like a drying rack, a vacuum, uh, speakers, like um, a, a, a mat when you get out of the shower. I don't have, like, I've never, I just like work and think and just never had amenities. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just never I had, had amenities. So, it's such a funny thing to say, but it's just so true. You know, like yeah. I bought so, um, and it happened very quickly. I moved in within a week, and it's I moved in yesterday. I like I bought hangers that all matched. <laughs> never had matching hangers in my life. I normally just moved into a flat and hope they had them. And if I didn't, like rustled some up from some recycling bins. Like who are you? Like you bought yeah, hangers. I, I just like yeah. I just spent a lot of money on blankets and sheets. Yeah. And I am um, so things suck, but I have created a space where things like I, where I can feel a little bit safe while I cope with how hard life is. And it, I'm so lucky. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's it's great timing because, again, uh, my relationship of a sorts ended again last week. And this is just I'm starting fresh, you know. Yeah. And so lucky. I just I saw a meme which kind of makes me think of this, but um, 
I saw a meme. How many conversations start like that? There was, it was really funny. It was like this guy, I can't, it's from a popular show and I can't remember now, but it was a guy walking out with like a really big, like weird looking fur coat on, like a, like a <laughs> fake fur coat with like, sure. a, like kind of like this weird snake stuffed thing around his neck and like holding, I don't know, it was like a bag or something else. It was just like a bunch of random things he was carrying out. And it was like me walking out of, me walking out of quarantine with all the stupid that I bought. <laughs> and I just died laughing because it's like, what are we buying now to like make ourselves feel like, I mean, we've just been so surrounded by all the things in our home. So it's like, We've talked about this too. We get excited about buying really basic things again, but also like, oh, I need hangers and things that make my space a little bit more livable and nice and lots of crazy just, stuff. Yeah, I know that there are a lot of people who, like, I just, I have never been that person. And mm-hmm. now I am. I mean, and I'm very much against buying things as a form of medicating. Like, I, I feel the draw, but I'm against it because of so many reasons. <laughs> So many reasons. But honestly, like, again, right now, like, there's so few options available to us. And I thought I really need a nice fleece blanket. So I got a nice fleece hey, blanket. I, I am team by the fleece blanket. I for well, sure. Yeah. Wait, I, like, I said need. I need to take that back. I don't need it. Oh, Stephanie. But it's going to help me. No, it's important. <laughs> I don't need it. <laughs> I have a... <laughs> I yeah. really appreciate you. I really do. I really do. Um, okay. Great. Great. Well, is there anything that we can do as a community or that I can do? Because I just, I, I feel so hopeless, but at the same time, I feel like there are, are there not ways that we can, like, what are, what is, what do you need from people? Like, what helps this is, you? This is what people can do. People can, like, not expect me to, like see or comment or whatever like I, oh got it <laughs> you know what I mean if I'm yes. not there know that I love you but mm. I just you know I'm I'm taking care because my again my health to empower page has been crickets and it means like it means a lot to me and I love it but it's just been crickets because I'm just you know yeah s- swaddling myself in a fleece blanket <laughs> <laughs> that you don't um, need apparently. yeah yeah that's great yeah. and I know that you all love me very much which is great yeah um so thank yeah. you. We love you, Steph. I love you too. All right, I'm let's. Fine. <laughs> oh, and you have to trust that I know how to take care of myself. Like yeah. I'm going to be fine, you know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, questions. We I didn't mention. Did I? I don't think so. We're going to talk about addressing your relationship with food and exercise. Did I say that? Care to spoilers and increasing resentment? Yes, yes, I did. did. I did. Okay. So first, let's talk about. Um, this is from Shaylee. This is a really great question. I think it will actually give us... I, I, it's been a while since we talked a little bit about like where to start. Um, and so I think this is an opportunity to kind of give a little bit of a blueprint. So she says, I just started listening to your podcast and I love them. I listened to the one with Dr. Brighton and have a few questions. I recently started working with a dietitian and I have a history of disordered eating and overexercise. I realized it was negatively impacting my day-to-day life and I needed to pursue a better relationship with food and fitness. With that said, I was put on the pill about three years ago because I've lost my period. To be honest, I haven't been great about taking it at the same times and before I got married and before I got married last June, I'd forget to take it many times. All that to say, I'm pretty sure my hormones are out of whack. I don't even have a sugar bleed, a sugar pill bleed on some months. My symptoms include trouble falling asleep, staying asleep, low sex drive, constipation, gas bloating. I don't have clear hunger signals, but I feel that I'm thinking about food all the time. Started to address my relationship with food and exercise, and I've even put a little weight on, which I think is necessary. However, I'm stuck on where to go from here. There seems to be a lot of issues to address, and I feel overwhelmed. I want to get off the pill completely, which is something I've been considering for a while. With my tendency to over-exercise and restrict, I think that tracking and being aware of my cycle will keep me in check for the future as I continue to put in the work to recover from disordered eating. I know that was a lot of information and not even a clear question. I'm overwhelmed and wanted to ask for some advice. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, that's okay. Deep breaths. 
Hmm. Uh, it is a little complicated, but it's, you know, it can be, can be addressed. Um, so I think that that's first and foremost, uh, just have a little bit of patience. Uh, it does. So going on the pill, some people do stop doing the stop menstruating, you know, their menstrual cycles change. Um, and that is, that can be because of dis, you know, a disordered eating past or, um, hypothalamic amenorrhea issue. Uh, it can also be because of the influence of the hormones from the pill. And it would be really hard to untangle the two. Um, uh, but both I would guess are involved. Um, and so I would ask, you know, you're talking about your symptoms. I would ask, uh, if these you think are from the under eating, you know, are you attributing them to the under eating or in the over exercise, or are you attributing them to the pill. Um, if you're attributing them to the disordered patterns with food and you don't think the pill is having a negative effect on your mental or physical well-being or not as much, uh, then I would say go ahead and stay on it. You know, don't, you don't have to rock all of the boats at once, <laughs> rock one of the boats. Um, and if it's a stabilizing force in your life, then just you can stay on it, I think, for a while um, while you work on all the other stuff. Um, and, yeah, you can stay on your period. I'm not sure why being aware of your cycle will keep you uh, in check. Uh, and what you mean by, you know, in check, I think you mean hopefully uh, working intentionally on softening your relationship with food and eating a little bit more. I'm glad that you feel uh, good about the weight that you've put on so far. Um, yeah. And also, if you come off the pill, nothing, you know, you could do both at the same time. I'm not saying that you have, you know, you have to do, you have to stay on the pill while you address the food issues, but you said you were feeling overwhelmed. Um, and you could come off of it and just see what happens. Uh, those are two options. I think that they're both fine. I would just prioritize whichever one, you know, helps you sleep more at night, whichever one puts you more at ease, right? Because your symptoms uh, are likely associated with, uh, you know, your struggle with food, uh, but they could also be because you're starting to get, you know, really stressed out about it. So, or don't let that, you know, complicate things. Don't let it um, make it worse. You know, I'll leave it at that. How much of your day is spent in front of a computer screen or looking at your phone or watching TV? All of those screens emit blue light and studies show our constant exposure to blue light through electronic devices has a negative impact on our circadian rhythms, sleep, anxiety, headaches, and even eye strain. Blue Blocks was created to fix these problems and block out the blue light with evidence-backed high-quality lenses. I've become so passionate about light optimization recently and filtering out computer light and blue light entirely after the sun sets. I wasn't doing anything about this until about a year ago, and I was experiencing eye strain and weird migraines and also unexplained wired and tiredness, at, especially at night. And now I wear the Blue Blocks computer filter glasses anytime I'm looking at screens and Blue Blocks sleep lenses at night, and I haven't experienced symptoms since. Blue Blocks was created because they saw the need for a product that was exactly exactly in line with peer-reviewed academic literature, which I so appreciate. There are a lot of cheaply made lenses out there that don't actually block all of the blue and green light. Don't waste your money on that. Go to blueblocks.com slash wellfed and use the code wellfed, W-E-L-L-F-E-D, for 15% off. Their frames are gorgeous. It's a health investment that everybody needs to be considering, especially given the recent shifts to people working more from home in front of the computer all day. Um, they can also turn almost any pair of glasses into custom blue blockers. They simply take your existing glasses and fit them with their their lenses. Again, that's Blue Blocks. That's B L U B L O X dot com slash well fed and use the code well fed for 15% off and free shipping worldwide. 
Yeah, I no, that was that was great. I uh, one of the so in the episode with Dr. Brighton, which I'll link to it in the show notes, she talks a lot about post birth control syndrome, and it's basically a syndrome that's um, inf- obviously. <laughs> A condition that happens when you get off the birth control pill. However, I think what she called attention to and what I think is really important to note is that the the birth control, one, the pi- a lot of women are put on the pill because to basically take care of symptoms and not work on root causes. Right. And Stephanie and I have been talking about that, too, for quite some time. Stephanie used to write about it on um, this old little blog called paleoforwomen.com. Um, and so that's a problem because you're not actually addressing the root cause of what's happening. And then um, the second thing, one of the things that can be problematic with the pill is that it really depletes specific nutrients. And when you all of a sudden get off of it and come off of it, um, it can be, you can experience a whole lot of different symptoms and it can be very overwhelming. So her advice was actually, let's address some of these nutrient deficiencies and address what we can before you get off the pill so that it's, you're not like flooded with all of these hormonal issues, you know, right away. And I think that that's actually pretty sound advice, especially in this scenario. However, if you did simply go onto the pill because to address hypothalamic amenorrhea, which I feel like is actually what is happening here, um, which is the absence of a period because of which is likely caused by a what you've already described, which is drastically under so an energy imbalance, which can be drastically under eating and working out too much. Um, you kind of have to work to solve that issue first and weight gain is we we don't know anything about your weight your stats or anything like that so i'm just going to kind of speak to some general advice but i think what's prudent and what is the most important thing to work on is again your relationship with with food and exercise and specifically your body and one of those things that and again you don't have to love your body um you don't have to think think it's the best thing in the world. It you you just need to have a positive relationship with yourself and understand that your body is not your worth. Um, that you actually don't have to love your body. You know, like that's not a that's not something that actually has to happen for you to have a very fulfilling and valuable life. And that's not where your worth lies. So, I think that that's the work that I would prioritize is changing what is influencing you because for. From somewhere, you have been getting the messages that you need to be dieting and you need to be exercising and you need to do it in this way and it's better to eat less and it's better to be smaller. And so you need to evaluate where are those messages coming from and remove them from your life. It is going to be triggering um, for quite some time. <laughs> and and one of those places that we get it and it's it's pushed on us a lot is social media. You know, before social media, it used to be the fitness magazines at the grocery store line. It used to be all the books that were in the health and fitness section, which was like lose 30 pounds in 30 days and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so really be aware of that messaging and the bias that exists with that messaging, which is simply that being you need to be smaller to love yourself. You need to be smaller to be worthy. It is better to be lean. It is better to be smaller. And the messaging that we obviously try to replace that with is your worth is not dependent on your weight. Your worth is not dependent on your pants size. And that's actually not the most important thing about you. And you don't have to focus on that. Furthermore, you don't have to be a specific size to be healthy. You can achieve health at a variety of weights. And so once you can really grab onto that and and process through all that entire conversation and keep getting, you know, peeling back those layers and start to build a new conversation around health and fitness, I think you'll be able to make some necessary changes and you'll also remove a lot of that mental stress that exists, that that mental banter, that banter that's in our head that never stops when we are chasing after a a thin body or chasing after what we perceive is what we should be. You know, I I call that that voice diet culture. A lot of people do. Um, And basically what that is, is just this culture that exists in our society, which the underlying thing is you're more valuable when you're smaller and you need to be pursuing weight loss. And if you aren't, 
something's wrong with you. Like that's what you should be doing. That's where your value lies. Um, or, or what's valuable. And so we have to first eliminate that root message, that root messaging, replace it with different ones, (laughs) replace it with this podcast, um, follow people on social media that are a variety of sizes that have, that are not caught up in diet culture. I actually just posted on my coconuts and kettlebells Instagram. So I am coconuts and kettlebells on Instagram and on um, a few weeks ago, I posted, um, I think it was nine black female health and fitness influencers. And it was really important to me that they were also, you know, part of this, what I consider to be a niche in health and fitness, that we recognize that there is a problem in this world, in the health and fitness world, and and that we can present health and wellness information without this underlying um, assumption that is you need to be on a diet or you need to be losing weight to be healthy. And so a lot, everybody that I posted was sort of like an anti-diet dietitian um, and or fitness professional. And so definitely start with those people, start with the people that I mentioned and I linked to. Um, follow me, follow Stephanie, follow uh, people that you hear on this podcast, follow Dr. Brighton. Um, There's a lot of good information, positive information that doesn't involve weight loss. And unfollow those other people that are telling you that. Stop following people who are posting mirror selfies of their abs day after day, thinking that that's somehow inspiring you. It's not. It's not. It's shaming you. Um, Then what I would do from there to just wrap this up, even though... (laughs) I'm finding that I can talk for a pretty long time about this. I didn't think this was going to go this long. But um, focus on nutrient density and possibly supplementation. So when we're talking about the pill and all of the things that can deplete, especially B vitamins and uh, magnesium and all that kind of stuff, make sure that you're supplementing with that and very cognizant of that. Uh, Dr. Brighton talked about that a lot in the episode. Follow all of her advice. Um, And then focus on hormone balancing. I think what the focus is for you is really to make sure that your body is feels like it's safe. And the best way to do that is to reduce the stressors and to also recognize that under eating and over exercising is a stressor. And I would love for you to sleep more, to eat more, to work out less, and to also to find things that you... Things that you enjoy, you know, how can you pursue play and enjoyment and relaxation Um, and then come off the pill with some help and guidance? You know, you can get a hormonal test done. If you come off the pill and you have some symptoms and things are still out of whack, then consider getting a Dutch test done if that's possible to you with a functional medicine practitioner. But I think a lot of the things that we talk about when we talk about hormonal balancing is really important and (laughs) A lot of it is just basic stress reduction, um, supporting your gut and your liver so that you can excrete the hormones that have either that are from the birth control pill. And then after you come off the pill, especially like, you know, estrogen rises at um, mid cycle, like how can you be doing things like eating leafy greens and supporting your um, body so that it's excreting those hormones so that you can kind of promote hormonal and uh, hormonal balance. Um, and I just released an episode with um, Alyssa Vitti about the infradian rhythm and eating and moving and, and basically creating a life around your cycle, which sounds kind of crazy, but it makes total sense um, for especially for women to optimize our hormones based on where they're at throughout our cycle. And I think that that's something that can really help to focus you on like just promoting overall wellness and hormonal balance. So, okay. okay. Um, let's move to question number three and then I'll answer the question from Brooke because I, I do want to talk Great. a little bit about that. Um, okay. Question number three is from Julie. It's, she says how to reverse insulin resistance and increase metabolism. Do you do you want to talk about just a little bit about insulin resistance? Because I feel like a lot of people um, think that the surefire way to improve insulin resistance is to stop eating carbohydrates. Um, Mm. But maybe we can talk a little bit about 
just inflammation. Other approaches. Yeah. So I'm very much on the bandwagon that uh, reducing carbohydrate can help mitigate the symptoms of insulin resistance, but will not solve the underlying problem causing it. So insulin resistance is basically a, a phenomena that happens. Uh, <laughs> it's hard because I'm, I'm going to talk about carbohydrates, but uh, when you are insulin resistant, basically your body uses insulin to shuttle uh, glucose, sugar, glucose in your bloodstream into fat cells. Uh, and when it uses insulin to do this, but when you become insulin resistant, uh, your fat cells can't hear the signal. Your body has to produce more insulin to make it happen. Uh, you can end up having chronically elevated insulin levels and a hard time storing uh, the sugar in your blood as fat. Uh, and you will also probably may uh, gain weight or have this correlated with uh, difficulty uh, losing or burning body fat. So uh, there, for a long time, uh, we all, we all, uh, most many uh, people in the health sphere uh, thought that if you stopped eating glucose, you know, the things that would cause your blood glucose levels to rise. So if you stopped eating carbs, uh, fruits, breads, pretty much anything that's not like a protein or a fat is a carb. I explained that to a friend the other day. He was like, wait, that's that's a carbohydrate? I was like, yes. <laughs> all of these things are carbs. All of them. Um, <laughs> uh, all of them. Everything that's like not a slab of meat. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I'm exaggerating. Anyway, uh, that can help like in, in the short term for sure. And having eating a lower carbohydrate diet can – uh, for many people is a great way to uh, regulate cravings and energy, uh, which is actually something that I now do, but I didn't before. And before I also was healthy, you know, it's just, it's different. It just depends. Um, and so, uh, Noelle and I, uh, look to the underlying cause of insulin resistance, uh, because it's not carbohydrate consumption that causes it. Uh, it would be more like a systemic inflammation, uh, which I think Noelle alluded to. And so, uh, the best way to reverse insulin resistance and increase metabolism is to heal your gut. Uh, and it's to, yeah, it's to heal your gut. It's to heal your gut and to uh, reduce inflammation, chronic inflammation in your body as much as possible. You know, and that involves things like reducing stress and sleeping more and making sure that your nutrient profile is on point. And there are certain nutrients that are more, you know, quite helpful for that. Vitamin D helps with everything, and uh, magnesium is is very important. And uh, iodine and pretty much everything. You know, <laughs> uh, so many things are are really uh, important for that. Uh, but basically, yeah, uh, let's talk about inflammation. Do you want to chime in on inflammation? <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we are lit tired. <laughs> no, I don't. It's just, I feel like, I feel like we've talked a lot about inflammation. I've, I, but yeah, if you, if there's like a couple things. <laughs> when you write, when you write health books, okay, I remember in Sexy by Nature and like throughout my blog, you know, my Health Trim Power has like 700 blog posts. It's insane. There's so many blog posts. I can't tell you how many times I copy and pasted like the three sentences that I had written on like how to eat an anti-inflammatory diet. You yeah. Know? Uh -huh. Make sure you eat lots of eggs and liver and vegetables, but not yes. that. Yeah, anyway. I, okay. So I'll say, no, I'll say that. Look, I will actually be addressing that in the Keratosis Polaris Gut Health. Okay. Answer. What I what I think is important to mention here, can we talk about the increasing your metabolism? Yeah, go. Okay. So I find this concept really interesting and I think that it's something that a lot of us accept as like, oh, well, what are the things that I can do to increase my metabolism? But from a holistic perspective, it's act okay, so here this is really a I'm getting on the diet culture th bus here, but this is really a diet culture thing. It's this like gimmicky way of trying to get people to move in a certain way or eat special foods like chilies, hot peppers or whatever with this lure of like, you're going to burn more without having to do anything. And I think it's important that we recognize and call it out that like increasing your metabolism, in other words, 
I mean, your metabolism is in every cell of your body. And so it's basically your body's functioning, your body's processing at rest. So it's the energy used by your muscles and your organs to, you know, keep you alive. And then what's also involved is energy used to break down food, which only accounts for like 10% of your basal metabolic rate. It's a very small percentage. And then energy used in physical activity. So... So if you actually look into metabolism and what impacts metabolism, the biggest impact is genetics, um, the amount of lean muscle that you have, and then your sex, not in the bedroom, male or female. So males obviously burn a little bit more, females don't. But here's an interesting thing is that, sorry, I always want to say Elisa, it's Elisa Vitti. She talked about how um, with, dirt, during different points of our, of our cycle, our metabolism changes. So, for example, women at the, uh, so our second half of our cycle, which is the luteal phase, our metabolism actually increases. I think it increases about by like 10%. Um, but that's it. So if you're looking at, at it from like a, how can I burn more perspective? Like, how can I increase my metabolism? I would instead say, how can you what is your end goal? What are you hoping to do here? Is Are you hoping to lose weight? Is that the goal? And if that's the goal, I would say, you know, how can you reduce your stress? Because that impacts every cell in your body and, your, and how you process things. Um, how can you support your body appropriately with nutrients? And how can you meet your body's needs with a diet and exercise plan that works for you and with your body? And Typically, when your body burns more, you need to eat more. So again, if you're increasing your metabolism, you're increasing your need for nutrients. And that's kind of the whole concept in Stephanie's book, Coconuts and Kettlebells, is like, when you exercise and you do more, that doesn't mean that you then also eat less. It means that your body needs more nutrients. And so if we look at calories as, as nutrients that our body needs that we have to be giving our body those nutrients for it to function appropriately. And so while like this whole speeding and like small things like eating a chili, yes, it speeds up your metabolism for a very short amount of time, but the impact is so negligible. It doesn't even like, it's like an almond, you know, Um, it's not a long-term shift. And when you look into this more, when you look into metabolism, the thing that impacts metabolism the most is crash dieting. Um, if you are dieting and you're or are greatly restricting foods, your metabolism really slows down through metabolic adaptation, and it's really hard to shift it back up after that happens. So. Uh, you know, the best way to increase your metabolism is not to diet. <laughs> That's basically my answer. But I, I think it's really interesting that it's a, it was a realization moment for me of like, oh, increase your metabolism. And I was like, oh, that's that's a really, that's an interesting thing in our society, which is a little bit of a myth and very gimmicky because it's a, a, it's a way for companies, brands to kind of lure you in with like this shake is going to increase your metabolism, but it does it it doesn't work that way. It really doesn't work that way. And really, the most notable thing that you can do to increase your metabolism is just to gain more lean muscle mass. Um, but again, when you're burning more, you need to then your energy requirement increases, and you need to meet that need. And so the biggest impact you can make on your physiology and in your metabolic processing is to <laughs> reduce stress, to um, f- f- pr- uh, do the things that effectively balance your hormones and to eat in a way that is right for you and exercise in a way that's right for you um, and eat enough, support your body with enough nutrients. Do you yeah. Need- okay. <laughs> do you have anything else to add? No, that was good. I appreciate that, you know, thoughtfulness about the concept of metabolism. It's just smart. Oh, well, thank you. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, let's um finish up. I want to talk about keratosis p- 
Polaris, this is a really interesting question, and it's a question that I that we've been getting a lot. Um, specifically, like, what do I need to do for hormonal acne? What do I need to do for rosacea? And this question Brooke asked is: Is keratosis pilaris a gut health problem like eczema? Okay, this is going to be my response for the skin issues. Um, and like I said, I'm going to mention quickly stuff about inflammation. And then Steph is also a, a skin person. Um, but I'm going to lay the foundation so that she doesn't have to. And then you can, <laughs> you can, you can add what you'd like, Steph. Um, so it, it, this is just from my own experience, my own research, having healthy skin, it really takes a comprehensive approach. So it does take the internal work, but it also takes safe topical care. Um, and I will mention too, like Steph's written a lot about cystic acne and she's had her own personal experiences that are different from mine. So I'm going to let her speak to that too. But um, basically, in my opinion, you can eat the perfect diet and have, you know, a, a really just healthy gut, but still have dry skin and conditions like keratosis pilaris because you're not doing the appropriate topical care. And on the other side of that, you can be doing all the right things topically, but still suffer from things like hormonal acne because you aren't recognizing the importance of in internal work and potential triggers. Um, and when we talk about the association between gut disorders or gut function and skin conditions, there are studies that show there are strong associations between the two of those things and that impaired gut function can directly impact skin health. So what we need to do internally is basically do the things that that facilitate a healthy, robust gut. We want to remove foods that can negatively impact the gut. Again, we talked a lot about this in um, Coconuts and Kettleballs, our book, which you can get on Amazon. Um, but at the same time, do things that nourish the gut and treat any underlying conditions we may have to repair the gut long term. We also want to make sure this is where blood sugar is really important. Um, we we want to make sure that blood sugar is stabilized because I have found that that can be a source of chronic stress for people and, and a source of inflammation. Um, and I, I think that that's more important for things like hormonal acne and... Um, and we need to make sure that we're doing things to support liver function, the proper of elimination of hormones like estrogen, especially mid-cycle. I mentioned that earlier um, when estrogen is, speak is peaking. Um, again, I, I, amazing episode with Lisa Vitti. I'll post that or link to that in the show notes. But where do we start with this? So first, anti-inflammatory diet. Um, I think a lot of us know what that looks like. But I know we do have a lot of new listeners, and I think that this is important for all skin conditions, especially those that result in redness. So keratosis pilaris, rosacea, cystic acne, the things to avoid that we know cause inflammation, vegetable oils, uh, high in omega-6s, what else? Um, added sugar, processed sugar, processed foods in general, processed grains. A lot of those things can be triggers for inflammation, and it can also cause our blood sugar to kind of be on a roller coaster. Um, your gut is home to your immune system, 70% of your immune system. It's also responsible for excreting hormones. And so when you're eating foods that cause inflammation, it can lead to gut disruption, and it can also lead to... Um, like cortisol being produced a lot or, or chronic cortisol production. Um, we, we mentioned the HPA axis last episode, but the adrenals, basically what their, their job is to produce cortisol. And cortisol is a stress hormone, and it's responsible for freeing up stored glucose when our blood sugar crashes. So say you eat, you know, five donuts for breakfast, and um, your blood sugar spikes and then it crashes. In that crash scenario, your adrenals are going to produce cortisol and that is going to be responsible for freeing up blood sugar because they, it, your body sees it as like a big problem. You not having blood sugar is a big problem. So more stable blood sugar is going to result in less cortisol, less infl inflammation. Um, what else? Let me see if I missed anything. Um, redu oh, and reducing cortisol is going to have a, a good effect on your hormones as well because chronic cortisol production impacts every other hormone. It can result in low progesterone, 
high estrogen, and that can result in acne and breakouts. So the last thing and the thing that Steph and I have mentioned a lot, and we this is why we in our book we talk about removing those four foods for four weeks, um, is to eliminate foods that might trigger reaction. So the underlying cause of skin disruption, rashes, and breakouts, it might be a specific food. And with keratosis pilaris, I have seen a the tr- common triggers are gluten and dairy. Um, and so that's like a really, that's a good place to start. But at the same time, it's important to work on gut healing. You can't just remove the foods and then expect that things are going to resolve. So foods that your gut and your skin love are foods that are rich in omega-3s like fish, cold water fish, um, and fat-soluble vitamins, A, D, E, and K. So we talk about liver and grass-fed meats and um, uh, pasture-raised eggs and egg egg yolks have lots of choline. Um, You know, nature's multivitamin. Is this all sounding repetitive? Um, But they all play an important role in supporting gut function since omega-3s help to reduce inflammation and low vitamin D has been associated with decreased immune function and then supporting your liver. We've got to be properly detoxifying hormones like estrogen out of the body, eat cruciferous vegetables, especially mid-cycle, and then foods rich in heme iron. That's like your grass-fed meats. They support liver detoxification and sulfur-rich foods. That's your egg yolks. So how does this all connect to the skin stuff? So keratosis pilaris, that's the chicken skin on the back of your arms. Steph and I have both dealt with this. You also sometimes see it on your legs and your butt. Um, by doing everything I just talked about, you're addressing the things you need to internally. A lot of people wrongly assume, and I may get a little hate for the for this, and that's okay, but a, long, a lot of people wrongly assume that K, keratosis pilaris, which I will refer to as KP, is just a gluten reaction or it's, it's uh-uh. like it's a gluten sensitivity oh you Do should try say that yeah Ugh. oh yeah sorry yeah. yeah it's like oh you just need to remove gluten it's like well i don't think that's not no. that's not it no um or it's just because you're not getting omega-3s you need to really be eating more fish you need to really be taking a, a fish oil supplement and i th- and i think that that is part of the solution but that is not going to solve all of it um mm-hmm. my 2 year old has done everything working everything's like working in her favor she is she doesn't eat gluten i removed dairy actually for a while she didn't eat it for a while um she's on a d3k2 supplement she's she's probiotics and liverwurst and yeah still there so um and I do think hormones play a role. I do, because when I was pregnant, it actually went away. But I, I don't know how yet. I just think hormone balance is important. Um, but you also need to focus on topical treatment because it. what's going on there is there's a, a improper lipid barrier function and there's dead skin that needs to be exfoliated. It has to be a two-part thing. So exfoliation and then proper moisturization so number one the first thing that i have found has made the huge the the hugest the big the hugest difference the biggest difference is proper exfoliation this is actually something that i think nobody wants to do i hear you i hear you i don't want to this is like one more thing to do but this makes the biggest difference um i love the lemongrass sugar scrub from beauty counter that is what i do this in the shower and you do it, I mean, I honestly think twice a week is fine. Um, but wash your body first, then use an exfoliating scrub that has an oil in it. So like the lemongrass sugar scrub from Beauty Counter. And then don't wash that oil off. Let that oil sit on your skin and your skin will be nice and smooth. And j- don't don't use soap after it. Soap is drying. Then apply... By the way, this is more of a problem. I think keratosis pilaris is more of a problem for people who have dry skin. Just what I've been observing. Um, Mm -hmm. Then apply a moisturizer after that um, that is specifically designed to improve lipid barrier function. So an an effective moisturizer that is, like in my opinion, that helps will need to contain something like... It needs to contain, first of all, let's speak speak on this. It needs to penetrate all the layers of the skin, and it needs to have active ingredients to help improve cell turnover. Stop using coconut oil. You heard it here. 
stop using coconut oil. It's not a good body moisturizer. It acts like a wax on the skin. It does not penetrate all the layers of your skin. If you're just, you're literally just putting like a wax on your skin and it may feel good. And I think it's great because it has some antimicrobial properties. It is not at all moisturizing. Okay. Um, the one that I found clears, that clears up KP the most is the Countermatch Body Lotion. It's a body lotion. There's face lotions. Get the body lotion from Beauty Counter. It it matches the skin's hydration needs sort of like an adaptogen, but it has a phytic acid, which gently kind of exfoliates, and you want something that aids in cell turnover. That is a big thing. You want something that helps to promote cell turnover and move cells along. Um and so apply that right after the shower, nightly. This is great for kids. This is what I use on my kid, and it's what cleared it up completely. I actually don't have to do any exfoliation with her. Um, and then I'll speak to... Okay, so eczema is a dry skin condition. I've had experience with this with my kid. Um, and, I, and for adults, I will say I did an episode on histamine intolerance with Dr. Becky. Histamine overload can be a trigger for eczema. So it absolutely has its roots in the gut in a different way than keratosis pilaris does um, because it is influenced by histamine. So with this, with eczema, I think it has to be a combination of removing the foods, healing the gut, and then managing histamine, which that's kind of the additional thing. Excuse me. And the main foods that trigger it, eczema, are dairy and eggs. Um, I think that especially if your kid has it, you need to remove both of those from your child's diet and from if you're breastfeeding, you got to remove it also from your diet. And then with histamine. So histamine is just a, a chemical produced by your immune cells to help your body get rid of allergens. I think th the place that most people hear this is because they take antihistamines to stop allergy symptoms. So if you're not histamine intolerant, you know, histamine is fine. It's broken down by an enzyme. And it, it doesn't build up. But for babies in particular, like, they're just more sensitive to an overload of histamine. And so they're kind of born with their cup over full or over, like, overrunning. And so that's why I think kids are more prone to rashes and itchiness and eczema. And so to reduce it, you really have to enhance your, your baby's ability and, and adult's ability to break down um, DAO. And that would be, again liver, grass-fed meats, <laughs> salmon, um, and then reduce high histamine foods. So there's foods that are high in histamine and then certain foods that can liberate histamine. And the most notably are avocados, nuts, strawberries, citrus fruits, and bananas. Um, and what I, what I think is important for both kids and adults, too, is to understand that a lot of probiotics out there um, have histamine producing strains. So there's a probiotic called Gut Pro and they actually make an infant powder and adult pill. I actually take the adult pill and my kids take the powder. Um, I just sprinkle it on food. And so I actually just introduced eggs this week to my son who at four months old was covered in rashes and had eczema all over his legs and arms. And he's eating both dairy and egg yolks. I've not done egg, egg whites yet. Um, and he has had absolutely no eczema. So uh, I'm using an, a California baby eczema cream on him. It's been glorious. And again, for adults, I think a tallow balm is really great for eczema. Now that I have done just for 10 minutes, is there anything else that you want to add specifically to just like as like a state of the union address on skin health and how it relates to how it relates to um, gut issues specifically around. I know you struggled with cystic acne and hormonal acne. Yeah. I, you know, you said everything about the gut that's relevant. Um, another nice thing to do for KP is uh, well, you'll often see that it gets better in the summer. And part of that is vitamin D maybe. And part of it is also because you're not wearing a lot of, you're not wearing sleeves as much. So, like that's just another testament to the importance of, you know, properly exfoliating and stuff. So, um, yeah, go. You know, if you're in your tank top, just notice, see if see if that like, you know, see if it helps. Uh, and also, I don't. Did you you didn't mention dry brushing? But dry brushing definitely helps me. Um, Does you it? Know. Yeah. Why is uh, that? I, do you know? I do it a few times a day, actually. Oh. Uh, well, cause it, like it exfoliates, you know, I wear leggings and I go cycling. I always, always, um, shower after I sweat 
mm-hmm. for sure because I don't want to clog anything. Um, but <laughs> when you wear like tight clothing, you're just like you're you're keeping your skin cells like you know you're pressing it into your skin, and so uh, I just gently. Uh, brush a couple times a day to try to help my skin how it would be naturally if it weren't like covered in, you know, spandex. Um, and I, I think it definitely makes a difference. Interesting. That yeah. so, so dry brushing also from what I can, what I've read before is that it helps with lymphatic drainage too. Like it's obviously stimulating, stimulating to the lymphatic system, which does not have the lymphatic system doesn't have an internal pump like our circulatory system does, like our, you know, our heart pumps our blood, but our lymphatic system doesn't. Do you think that some of the congestion, lymphatic congestion would be at all like part of that or no? Oh, maybe. I, who could, how could I say? Yeah. Um, to me, it, it seems pretty obviously topical. Um, yeah. But so it's very, right. you, it's exfoliating is basically you're yes. just kind of shedding off a, some of those cells and promoting cell turnover, essentially, topically. Yeah. And I moisturize like mm-hmm. regularly as well or afterwards to make sure that I'm not like over drying my skin while I do this. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, that I, I, y'all, I hate it. I, I completely understand. Like, I don't want to be using, I'm, I thought I was always like sugar scrubs are you serious it's kind of how i felt about masks i was like really we need to do masks but these are things that actually help (laughs) and work so if you want to solve it you want to like you know spot treat your breakouts and get rid of your keratosis pilaris you got to do the extra things um yeah yep anything else you would like to add no, I appreciate you. This podcast is great. I appreciate you too. Great. I, I would have... go team. Go team. <laughs> go family. Go family. Um okay, that's it from us. You can find more from Stephanie at Well, okay, so are you produce are you publishing posts on stephanieruper.com or uh, uh my inst- I'm active on that Instagram. Um which is at stephanie.ruper. Yeah. Yeah. For more from Stephanie, go to Instagram at Stephanie.Ruper, <laughs> but also don't judge her if she's not on there, folks. Just send her little heart emojis that All don't... Right, I'm fine. <laughs> don't require a response, okay? Just send hearts. Hearts. That's all you need to do. Um, for more from me, you can go to coconutsandkettlebells.com. I'm Coconuts and Kettlebells on Instagram. I'm trying to be there, but also, yes, there's a lot. So um, we love you guys. Thank you so much, and we will talk to you next week. <laughs>